0: This is the Bama Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host Brent Billings. Today we are joined by special guest Anita Grace Brown. She has been using yoga for 25 years to heal from trauma, fear, and spiritual struggles. She engages nature and uses art to help others find redemption as well. Anita, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me.
0: And if you want to add any of your own items to what I introduced you with, um, you know, pretty, I don't know, like there's some specifics in there, but there's also plenty of room for you to elaborate on what you do. So if there's anything you want to add, talk about who you are, your family or whatever, um, feel free to share that.
1: Okay. Uh, I've been married to Bob for 30 years. And we've been friends since high school, so it's a long time and it's been wonderful and hard and all the things. Um, our children are now young adults. Luke is in New York, Rebecca is in San Diego, I'm super proud of them. I have loved teaching yoga to uh, children, adults, and now seniors over the past 15 years. I recently did a coaching course, so now I added um, my own unique style of coaching, which involves Uh, breathing and uh, centering and grounding, which I bring in from the yoga practice. And I'm a writer and I started writing in my 40s. So that I think is encouraging to people to know that you can start something new later in life.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, Maybe also talk a little bit about how you know Marty or Bema or whatever your entrance was into um, the world that we live in.
1: I wish I could remember how I found Bema. Maybe I was just Googling um, a more uh, Hebraic approach, and I've just been in love with the teachings. I um, go back and forth between old and new, and it's just amazing to me uh, the way that you both dive into the text and wrestle. Uh, It really aligns with the way that I approach my faith and the text and my
2: relationship with God—that's beautiful. I can remember getting—I can't remember if it was social media tags and messages from Anita first, or emails, but we had exchanged different messages here and there. And then I got an email one day from a teacher that I really respect and uh, enjoy, Alexander Shaya, and you're connected with his publishing house. And he said, "I got this book that I would love for you to consider." looking at. And I had already seen your name. So I kind of knew you. And the book is about, uh, amongst many things, yoga. And at the time when I got that email, I was like, oh, yes, because I bet I, I apparently this has stopped. I, I haven't gotten an email. I'm probably, I don't know, it's been a few months about yoga. I assumed it was because our contact form wasn't working for a while. And I assumed they were now going to Brian But there was a while there, Anita, for a long time, at least for a good year. It was one of the most common emails I would receive Hmm. was an email about, I have a friend who's doing yoga and that's witchcraft, isn't it? Like, help me out. Or here, can I be doing yoga? Like, I I was going to start experimenting with yoga, but is that pagan and... And dangerous. And like, it was just one of the most common received messages and emails that I got on a regular basis was, what about yoga in one form or another? Mm-hmm. And so I thought, oh, yes, let's let's have a conversation. Apparently, like, I wouldn't have naturally thought, that's the Bema podcast, we're going to talk about yoga. But there was enough conversations and questions coming in about it. I thought, yeah, let's absolutely have a conversation about that. And I've had a bit of my own Personal journey. So I'm going to share a little bit about where I've gone, Anita, and then and then I'd love to hear you kind of comment on some of those things. So please do. For me, I, I I was introduced to contempt just apart from yoga, just contemplative practice. I've talked about that on the podcast before. the The depth of it, the beauty of it, the importance of it in my life. I had mentors that taught me about contemplative space, contemplative prayer, to how to Enjoy the practice of just silent space, um, centering prayer. Uh, we we have a practice that I think we might share at the end of this episode that you let us in um, that we'll put at the end. But that practice is very similar to some of the same things my mentors would lead would lead us in. Apart from any yoga practice, it was just a contemplative space of slowing down, paying attention to your body, listen to your breathing, pause long enough to like, there was a great value for me. Like there was a premium for me in contemplative space and contemplative practice. And I had bumped into the idea of yoga. It was never something that was talked about positively in the evangelical fundamentalist world that I was raised in, but I kind of knew it existed and then, I don't know, it was 10 years ago, 12 years ago, maybe, yeah, somewhere around there, I started doing, um, of all things, I think you're both going to appreciate this, I started, this was an earlier version of Marty, I engaged in the Beachbody P90X program, like, you know these, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a part of my story, everybody. I did that like three or four times, by the way, I was all in on P90X. So I would do these 90 days, and a part of the P90X program was yoga.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and I was like oh this is this is weird but it immediately I connected now on the p90x program there there's no spiritual component like there is but there's no overt spiritual component it is merely a physical exercise I think in your book Anita you talk about there's almost a commercialization that yoga kind of gets leveraged for that you that you gave word to and you,
1: mm-hmm. you,
2: you spoke about. And I think that's a lot of what I was experiencing. For me, it was this great way of opening a door where I was like, oh, well, this fits really well with contemplative practice. There's no Eastern pagan witchcraft a- a- around in this room. And I'm just simply connecting physical stretching and exercise with a contemplative practice that I'm very used to in a Christian paradigm. And so I guess I kind of like eased myself into this world of, uh, world of yoga. My wife uses some of the same DVDs today to do regular yoga workouts. So that was my exposure um, to yoga, and and you talked about it in different ways. But I guess I got to I got to kind of sneak in and slide into the practice without all of these like alarms and dashboard lights going off and fundamentalists freak out. But could, could you speak to some of what you're hearing about my journey and some of your own maybe experiences, Anita, and what speak to this apprehension that we have about yoga itself, like wherever you want to take that. But but let's talk about that for a moment.
1: Yeah. Well, what are we really afraid of? <laughs>
2: that's, a pre- that's a pretty big bomb of a question to start with. Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> what are we really afraid of? Well, you read in the book that on my yoga mat, the body brings up memories and emotions and hmm. childhood, just like any contemplative practice. Right? Yes, right. It's no different. So it's spiritual. And we need God to heal and to feel all those difficult emotions and to process and digest and to uh, be less selfish. We need God. So when I started at the local yoga studio and the teacher would say, after this 60 or 90 minutes, I want you to feel like three things happened that you went to the therapist that you mm-hmm. went to the gy- <laughs> that you went to the gym mm-hmm. and that you went to church mm-hmm. and she was not a christian nor was she a hindu she was just a yoga teacher and so i was young i was in my 30s and i didn't know a lot of non-christians and so i would say that that was my first experience of beginning to ask god how do you work in the world through people that are not Christians? Hmm. and I think that's a really good question to live out
2: yeah absolutely absolutely it is.
0: so i I was thinking as we' were talking about contemplation and and whatever um i think I think it's pretty obvious that Jesus is an example um for us in scripture of um someone who will take time and engage in solitude and prayer and whatever um, but I, I'm just wondering if you have any other um, any other examples in scripture that you look to um, that people might mm. might not have considered as uh, engaging in that kind of practice mm. Mm. That's mm. a good question
1: yeah I've had a lot of people ask me that over the years and my answer is usually something like throughout history or before modernization, we were in our bodies and we were farming and we were hunting. So now we sit at desks and we're disconnected from our bodies. And so we're kind of just like partial people. A lot of the time we're just like operating out of this, uh, egoic and Western Hmm. and, um, not very spiritual, uh, mindset, not very heart centered. And so I think that with the connection to news and the the daily assault and downloads of um, the violence in the world, the stress in the world, uh, we we absorb all of that. That never used to be the case, right? Mm-hmm. And so, how are you going to let that go? How are you going to release this accumulation of empire, as you call it, mm-hmm. on the podcast? How are you going to let that go? Because it's become a part of you. And so, to me, I think the uh, yoga practice is the most powerful outlet that I've found um, to return to the true essence of how I operate in the world um, heart centered, um, sacred pauses, patient. And and before the practice, I'm none of those things. Before the practice, I'm mm. rushing around, and I'm distracted, and I'm filled up with the past and and the worries of the world, and and my family, and my you know personal life. So it's a letting go.
2: Oh goodness, I love how you're you almost describe that as another one of those counterintuitive. Like Sabbath is a practice that's countercultural. Like it it pushes against the narrative that the world's just continually trying to pull us into. And you speak of yoga as yet one more of many practices, spiritual practices, contemplative practices that can help rewire, reorder the way we see the world, experience the world, what we're grounded in. Like these are the things that we talk about in so many other contexts. And and it's just one more space and one more practice where those things are true. I I love the way you describe that. Yeah, absolutely. So this book of yours, I don't know if we've mentioned the title yet, uh, Kamikaze Yogi, um, Christ, Yoga, and the Courage to Emerge is the subtitle. And there are a ton of things that I just loved about this book. You actually even started with just a, a real—you either have a ton of awareness or you have some great editors and people helping you write this book. I don't know which it is, probably a combination of both.
1: Both. both.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can, I can speak from my own experience, too. But, I mean, you start off right off the bat with an awareness of— The dangers of appropriation. We talk about appropriation as it pertains to Judaism all the time. You did it as it pertained to yoga Mm -hmm. because yoga has its own roots and its own history and its own story. Um, And so you gave word to that. You spoke to that. You said, here's what I'm trying to do. Here's what I'm not trying to do. Here's what I want to respect and what I want to um, let be. And here's, I just thought that was, and you have an awareness throughout this whole, now I will say this, I will say this. Uh, we'll see Anita what you have to <laughs> say to them. If you are coming, if you if you are coming to uh, Anita's book with a just a load of apprehension from an evangelical fundamentalist background, like if you're coming with, I am so nervous. I have all of this baggage, and I am not sure. And I am going to have to be convinced this is probably not going to like sway, assuage your fears. Like it will probably give you a whole bunch of, because what you do is you lean into all of it and you try to bridge all these gaps is what I felt like you were doing routinely throughout the book. You would make these statements that told me where you were coming from an Orthodox Christ centered perspective. And it would, And it would, it would like, okay, okay, here's, here's where we are. Here's where we are. But you would talk about, you mix in all kinds of stuff. Like you talk about chakras in this book. Something that I think makes like some, some of us super nervous, but I love how you would do it from a physiological perspective.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, You would rope it into a spiritual conversation. And I, I just thought that those things were so helpful in bridging gaps But you didn't. Yeah, I love how your first question in our in our time together today was like, what do we have to be afraid of? Because you embodied that as you wrote this book. You you weren't trying to stay away from all these things that might make us nervous. You were going to lean into wherever it is that was authentically you and and where your story and your understanding took you. And uh, yeah, I don't know if I have a question there, but maybe talk about what that experience was like, not just writing the book, the mechanics of writing the book, but sharing this part of you in the story, knowing, I'm assuming that you know the way that evangelical Christianity can be, and talk about that.
1: I had to be really true to my story, to my experience, to my healing journey. I had to be really true to my relationship with Jesus and to— um what it's like to be someone who identifies as more mystical. So like I said, I've been with Bob for over 30 years and he is the original Christian. I grew up Catholic and uh, when we started dating and I started going to the Methodist church with him is really when this idea of a relationship with Jesus, you know, uh, blossomed in me. So he's been doing this his whole life. He did the um, youth group and all of that that I didn't, but we're very different now. It's beautiful how we complement each other and how he's had to wrap his brain around how he has a wife that he loves very much who experiences God very differently than he does. And, and I love that dance that we do together. So in terms of the book, Um, being really brave, I felt like in order to be true to how brave I needed to be every day, I would make myself do something brave, like show up in the world in a way that makes me a little uncomfortable or just every day, big or small. I'd be like, okay, you got to put your big girl, brave pants on and, uh, and fight, fight the battle of what do people, what will people think, um, I can't worry about that. I have to be true to the story.
2: Yeah. And and I want to, I w- I want to segue to that conversation you were just um, talking about, about what it's like to be a mystic. But before I do, I want to go back to something you said at the beginning. You said you had to be true to your healing journey. And that's a theme, not just in your book, but I've caught you saying that deliberately a few times today. Brent even had it in his introduction to you uh, for the episode today. Is there something, I mean, obviously the answer is yes, but but talk about this thing, uh, Your talk about what was so important for your own personal healing processes and your own redemption that yoga and contemplative practice was doing that typical Western ecclesiological, Western church practice wasn't doing. Talk about what that contemplative experience was like for your When you you talk about your own healing journey, talk about what you're finding, what you are finding, what you did find in that space that was so important.
1: So you go to church on Sundays and you feel really good about your identity in Christ. And then you return to your life and your stress and your history and your ancestry. And they all have an impact on how you behave in the world and how you see yourself and I was abandoned at birth, I was abused, I um, have a lot of trauma that lived in my body. Now we know the science of trauma isn't about what happened to us. It's about the reverberation of that charge that lives on because we didn't process what happened. It could be little T trauma, big T trauma, it doesn't matter. If we don't process it, it impacts our Identity. It impacts us at the deepest level of the essence of how we see ourselves and how we have agency and sovereignty. And I had none of that. Trauma disconnected me from who Anita truly is. So I think you probably picked up on that in the book that I wanted to be clear about this um, woman who was in survival mode and ego and. I I love her, and I'm amazed that she made it as long as she did without knowing herself and knowing that faith was so uh, magical and and the guidance that we can get from our relationship with the Holy Spirit um, as we age, as we long for childlike wonder that all gets restored. That's the best part.
2: Yes. I love how in that same response, you will use words like science and magical because that's, that is the realness. So in my own journey with therapy, I've had experiences with one of my therapists was licensed in EMDR therapy and the reality of neuroscience behind trauma, like This isn't just, this isn't just mystical converse. Like there's, there's real science in what trauma does to our physical bodies and our, our real, (laughs) it's science. Like what's happening in our brains and our neural pathways. And these things are all connected. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't fit cleanly in like, well, that's mysticism and that's science. Well, it's, it's all it. Like it's all a part of this thing that we're experiencing And this thing we're walking through. So I love to hear that when you, in your response and you just, and you did it in the book too. Like you would go, you would just seamlessly go in and out of all of those boxes and categories that I usually like to keep all stacked nice and neatly on my mental shelves. And it doesn't really fit that way. And I really appreciated
1: that. Thank you.
0: It's interesting that you talk about, um, big T trauma and little T trauma, because we were actually going over that, um, in one of our staff meetings, uh, staff training recently. And, and just talking about how, you know, it is, it takes time for these scientific, um, academic definitions, uh, of, of trauma to catch up to what seems maybe obvious, um, to people who've gone through it, but the, the ever widening definition of trauma and the ever growing realization of how, how different events can affect, um, so much of our lives. Um, yeah, I think just, just the awareness like, okay, yeah, it is, it is not, it is not big T trauma. It's not defined by that currently. Um, but we are, we are seeing, um, we are seeing this growing awareness of, of what trauma can do to people. So yeah, I I think, um, I think there's a lot of people in that, in that boat where it's like, wow, you've gone a long time through life without dealing with this. um, And you don't even realize how it's affecting you. And so stepping into a world where you can begin to engage that and realize that and heal from that um, I think it's really powerful.
1: Yes, exactly. And you can't see your shadow. As, as you know, we need to be in marriages and friendships and community so that other people can reflect back to us the things that we can't see. And how does that first show up? Judgment. So, you know, I'm hanging out with some ladies and, and somebody's talking about cheating on her husband and I'm judgmental of her. And then here's me flirting the next weekend. And, and living a double standard. And then eventually waking up one day and being like, wait, I'm on a path of destruction in this marriage. If I keep going down this, I won't have a marriage. I'm not the wife and mother that I thought I was going to be at this point. Hmm. And then realizing these are patterns that I inherited. That's why the dad left. <laughs> Mm. Mm. (laughs) he couldn't handle parenting or marriage. (laughs) So that's in my bones.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, there's another reason why I was excited to have you on today and to talk to you. There was the the practice of yoga part of the conversation. But then there's another thing that I find so important. There's a whole, like Brent just talked about people that are in boats. (laughs) There's a whole boatload of people out there. That feel like they speak a different spiritual language, like, and and things like contemplative practice, things like yoga, tap into something for that group of people. But there's a subset of people that feel like they're on a different way. They're not speaking the same language as everybody else in the room, but they they have this confident awareness that, like, you you use that word, mystic, like you you talked about it in reference to you and your husband being different people and being in relationship and having to. Can you, like one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here is there are so many people going, am I, I mean, obviously, am I weird, but am I out of line? Am I like, what is this thing that I experience which feels so different from the status quo? And I wanted to have an episode to be like, if you're one of those mystical people that seems to gravitate towards, align with a different kind of way of experiencing spirituality, seeing spirituality, giving language to spiritual. If you're a more mystical person, there's space here. Like there's a really comfy chair at the table for you. So Anita, you, you identify as somebody that has that more like you have that experience. Talk about that and what it's like to be like, you talk about having to be brave and being okay with, who you are, but for so many people that are probably in that space, give word to that if you don't mind.
1: I hope people uh, keep being true to themselves and their experience because like you said, it is important to not feel alone in that. So if I can be helpful to someone, uh, that feels really beautiful because in the traditional church, there would always be a few people that god would place in my life who would get me they'd get my languaging they'd get my prophecy they'd get um how i'm wired and that would be enough and it would have to be enough and then there'd be the majority who were uh doubtful and skeptical and and maybe even um you know calling me names behind my back different uh disparaging uh (laughs) you know i don't at 57 years old, I don't need to concern myself with anymore, but it's the reality of the world that we live in. And so to people that you're talking to, mm-hmm. you've got to be true. You've got to be true to your experience. That is everything at the end of the day to not self-abandon. That's, that's a term that you've probably you know heard uh, throughout therapy. Uh, when we self-abandon, we literally leave behind parts of ourselves that have broken off and that are missing and, and, um, we, we need to wrap them up in this, this hug and say, I know it's strange. I know the world doesn't get it, but I'm going to do my best to get it as if it's like a part of me that I, you know, I barely know. And then once I stick with that, like decision, it becomes more normalized. And then as I accept myself, um, I notice that the world does a little better too.
2: Yeah, our Western church world is definitely designed to work for one or a few languages that are just kind of like the default experiences. And then when you have something that's just a little dissonant, like you you can feel like you don't quite belong. And I, I thought it was really important to give word to that because those things are just super important
1: mostly women it just seems like for whatever reason uh they leave the church that's generally the communities Mm -hmm. i find online and and some you know here in south jersey they just can't tolerate it so that's basically what i hear people say to me all the time and i did leave my church in february after six and a half years um But I'm very grateful for that experience and that community and that journey. But it was a lot of iron sharpening iron during that that season. Mm. But basically, what women who identify more like me say, I don't know how you did it or do it. Because I have returned to church. The past two Sundays, I I felt called by the Spirit to go to a local all-Black church. I actually fit in there really well. Their expression... In their bodies and mm-hmm. and dancing in mm-hmm. the aisles and the praise hands and the crying that's all that's mm-hmm. all Anita
2: mhm mhm yeah uh, absolutely i yeah I totally I totally can <laughs> appreciate that for sure um I had some questions to close off our time together. What would you anita what would your recommendation be for somebody that's worried about yoga or just wants a safe space? Um, you know rooted in Jesus like the, like they're very they're very committed to their Jesus space they absolutely want to be true to that identity as a as a as a child of a child of God a follower of Jesus an Orthodox Christian um, but they want to explore some of this what would be your recommendation is here's a really safe way to not have to put any of that stuff in jeopardy but here's a safe way to engage and experience the practice of yoga
1: so my podcast, 100 episodes of uh, It's 5 O'Clock Somewhere. You can practice with me for free, and they're 15 to 25 minutes long, all, all levels accessible. You can hire me to do personal yoga on Zoom, um, which I do. And then there's a website called Christians Practicing Yoga that I love with lots of um, classes and blog posts and people that have been doing this journey kind of East meets West for a long, a lot longer than me. And then I have a friend from my old church who just told me she wanted to become a Christian yoga teacher and she was going to go through what's called the yoga Abbey. And so I did a little research on that and I said to her, yeah, that looks fantastic. So um, there's a lot out there um, that I think you can just trust the Holy Spirit with and the bottom line is healing is hard. <laughs> so yoga is part of our healing, healing our divides, healing our fears, healing our, um, the collective unconscious, the ways that we might um, have you know, racist thoughts and, and things that we inherited that we don't like to look at. I definitely went through that season. I'll just tell you real quick. I was very honest about how I would look in my white neighborhood out my window. And if there was in the middle of the day, a person of color, I would be that Karen just in my head. What are you, why aren't you working? What are you doing here? And then I healed that. I don't think those thoughts anymore. That's the new mind. That's the mind of Christ that we all want to get to. But nobody wants to talk about how they used to have those thoughts. Well, guess what? I don't know where those thoughts came from. I don't take credit for those <clears throat> thoughts. I'm glad I became aware that I had them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and when you talk about leading some of these exercises or your podcast, we at the end of this episode, we're going to have an example. You 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 led Brent and I in an example of a of an exercise. Is that similar kind of experience? Like when they hear that, is that a little bit of a taste of the kind of space that you lead in these other? Well, that's that's good of. It, if Bren and I can endure it, I, I know that people can. And I, I just, it felt like home. Like it felt, it honestly, going through that exercise felt so much like so much of the other contemplative space that I know and I love and I enjoy. And so if people are like, oh, I'm nervous. Well, check that out at the end of the episode and uh, see what your response is to that. And I understand it's not going to be for everybody. And I understand that every time I mention Richard Rohr or some other mystical, it. You know, it triggers a whole bunch of emails for people. I get it; it's okay. But I love being able to open up these doors for those that it's going to be helpful for, for those that it's going to be an aid in that healing. That's that's wonderful part of that.
1: But well, I appreciate you. That's beautiful, and there is room for all of us. And I think that my husband and I are a good example of that.
2: Yes, I do love that 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 you you have a marriage, a, a living you live that out and experience it in all of its beauty and its challenge every day in that relationship. I love you bringing that up. That's, that's very great.
0: And our listeners won't be able to see this, but one of the things that I appreciated about our um, brief session um, is that I could see you and follow your movements because I don't have any idea what I'm doing. Um, So maybe, you know, I think, and, and zoom is actually, I think people are pretty used to zoom. So it's, it's not like, um, I wouldn't necessarily call it ineffective, but for somebody who wants to find a local yoga experience, like, what do you, is there, is there any, um, are there any things that people should look for? that are like, Oh, that's not the kind of yoga that I want. I, I, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. So I don't know if they're like, specific terms or whatever it is that might clue people in like, oh, this is the kind of place I want to practice yoga. This is not the kind of place. Is there anything like that that would help people find something locally if they're interested in doing something in person?
1: Just start with your gym. That's definitely going to be secular. So that's the safest place so that you don't feel that strangeness that some yoga studios, depending on your city, they could have various statues. Uh, a lot of studios didn't want me teaching there as a Christian yoga teacher because they didn't understand the way that I was coming at it. And so I'm not offended by their statues, but they kind of were offended by me. Um so that's what I would say. Yeah. You're going to have yoga studios where they're really into all of, um, they, they think that that's, um, making it authentic, which is fine, but then there's, you know, going to be, um, just the physical practice. You're going to, uh, find hot yoga. That's basically just the physical practice. Um, yeah, there's as, as it's as unique as the teacher. It's, it's really, really unique.
2: Mm. Is there anything that you're uh, working on that you've got going, anything that you're excited about uh, coming up or anything like that, Anita, that you'd like to share with our listeners or anything like that?
1: About once a month, I've been bringing this Zoom class called I'm Going to Stress You Out with a little smiley face at the end. And it's five <laughs> uh, five days of breathing practices, consecutive days, and we just meet on Zoom on a lunch break. And it's about 15 minutes a day. So about once a month, you can keep your eye out for I'm going to stress you out. People have been loving it. And uh, then I put together just various, uh, depending on the season, I might put together, like a three or four week uh, series. And you can find that on my website, Groovology, or just find me on Facebook or Instagram.
0: Yeah, perfect. We'll have Groovology in our show notes. Uh, we can put your social media in there as well. What What's your, is if somebody wants to just talk to you and just, you know, share an encouraging note or something, what, what's your preferred method of communication?
1: Email or DM me. You can, I'll respond to DMs on social media. Uh, you can email me through the website.
0: Okay, perfect. Well, um, Anita, thank you so much for uh, joining us today and um, sharing your story and sharing your experiences. And um, yeah, hopefully, this is uh, a good way for people to um, explore something that they're not as familiar with. It certainly has been for me. So
1: you two are fantastic. Thank you.
0: Um, if you want to get a hold of Marty, you can find him on Twitter at Marty Solomon. You can find me at eibcb and uh, of course all the details about the show are at Deception.com. check out the show notes for this episode for all those links um, and thanks for joining us on the baymah podcast we'll talk to you again soon
1: marty and brent you are good sports to do some yoga with me before our podcast episode today let's begin by just bringing one hand onto belly and one hand onto heart So we're all seated and begin to either close your eyes or find a soft gaze, drop your shoulders, bring your awareness to your seat on the chair, to your clothing on your skin, to any sounds in the room. to your feet on the floor and to your natural breath. If you weren't already breathing in through the nose, begin to breathe in through the nose and puff out the belly like a balloon. You can either breathe out the nose or out the mouth. Three more deep breaths like that. And then press your palms together. Bring your thumbs to your sternum. Prayer hands. Drop your chin. As we bow, we bow to our connection in Christ. We bow to this mind, body, spirit, soul connection that we enjoy as humans. And we know that we carry stress. So let's just spend a few minutes Um being a little childlike and silly and shaking off the stress so you can come stand up. And I tell my senior citizen yoga students that yoga is really adult Simon says. So goal poster arms up and down, elbows up and down, elbows up and down alternating right hand, left hand, right hand, left hand, fast, 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 faster, 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 faster. faster. Reach both arms up, press into your feet, pull your belly button back, spread your fingers wide, take a big breath in, and on your exhale, flop your arms down and make a sigh like this. (sighs) Excellent. Again, goalpost your arms, spread your fingers wide, up and down with your elbows, up and down, up and down, up and down. Like Simon says, reach both arms up. Press your feet, belly button back. Squeeze your shoulders up. Inhale. Drop your arms down, side out. (sighs) Excellent. Roll out your shoulders forward, almost like you're swimming. Roll out your shoulders backward, backstroke. Feel the tight places. Reach your arms to a T. Simon says, reach your arms up. Now you're in a big X. Separate your feet wide. Notice. Notice whatever you notice. Roll out your wrists and lower your arms down. Tree pose. Send roots down through right foot. Lift your arms up. Grow branches. Kickstand your left foot. That means put your heel against your leg. Look up. What kind of tree are you? You can play around with balance here by lifting that foot up onto your leg. Steady your gaze. Ease within effort. Release the posture. Inhale, reach up. Exhale, forward fold. Hinge from your hip. Bend your knees a lot. And dangle. Take a big breath in and sigh it out. (sighs) Slow roll up. Mountain. Put your feet together. Arms by your sides. Gaze straight forward. Strong legs. Heart lifted. Tall through the crown. Fully present. Palms press at heart center. Thumbs to sternum. Dropping the chin once more. What are you grateful for right at this moment? Inhale, arms to a T. Goal post your arms. Simon says separate your feet wide. Drop your seat. So now we have knees bent. Goal post arms, energy in your hands, strong thighs, belly button back. Find your breath in through the nose, out through the nose. Straighten your legs, reach up and flop your arms down. (sighs) We don't want to be uneven. Tree pose, other side. Roots down through left foot. Grow your branches as you kickstand your right foot. Lift your gaze. Are you a different tree or the same kind of tree? Lower your arms, lower your foot. We'll end where we began, belly and heart. Pressing our palms together, we give a little nod to one another as we say, the light within me honors, respects, and appreciates the light in you. And that's it.
2: Okay. That was splendid. Good. I think Brent survived. I heard him say okay.
0: You're like, listen to the sounds in the room. I was like, there better not be any sounds in this room. That's right. And then right at that moment, I heard like, I don't know, something like some piece of furniture, like settled and creaked. And I was like, ah,